Hello everyone and welcome to this week's edition of 101 George Street, the podcast from Mowbray, Scotland's National Centre for Children's Literature and Storytelling. My name, as ever, is John Malloy, and I ask you to join me as I explore the realms of creative learning, children's literature and storytelling. My guest for this week's show is the theatre maker and storyteller Stephen Brennan. Stephen is the creative director of Certainty of Chance Productions, who, for some time now, has run theatre and storytelling initiatives in schools, performance spaces and community hubs across the north of England and the Scottish borders. Stephen, welcome to the show. Steve, what's your favourite children's story and why? So I've, I've gone back and forward on this question um, because there's too many, frankly, because kids' books are brilliant um, and they let you kind of, they be, they go to a place that a lot of adult books can't because um, a lot of adult books are grounded in reality, uh, whereas kids' books are, are naturally fantastical. Um, so I've gone for, after much umming and ahhing, um, a book called um, Silver Sword by Ian Sorelia, um, which is a book that's set in World War II and it follows, or just after World War II, and it follows four Polish children who are trying to reunite with their parents and basically crossing um, through Poland, through Germany, through uh, eventually trying to get to Switzerland where their family are. Um, And now having said what I've just said about our books that are fantastical, that one is in some ways quite grounded in reality, but just the the kind of the four characters and their journey and the things they encounter, I remember reading as a kid and it taught me more reading that book about the history of, of the time of World War II and of, of that story than I think I was learning in school at the time. Um, and it stuck with me. And now as a 30 something man, it's still a book I'll go back to and read. So that one, I'm going to pick that one. I've, I've never heard of that book, but I do, I do agree with you that the thing about children's stories is that a lot of them tend to be based, um, they tend to be fantastical, they tend to be based on fantasy, fantasy in particular, although um, there's a lot of sci-fi out there. But every now and then you come across a children's story which resonates with you more as an adult when you read it again than it did as a child, or it's taught you a really valuable life lesson while you were reading it when you were younger. But as an adult, you think actually that I still hold true to that, that lesson. Yeah. And and it's funny actually as an adult and now as a parent and, and obviously a a storyteller looking at at kids books and, and the ones that I come back to with my own children of going, these are the ones I want to read you, or these are the ones that, that you've got that we're going to go back to again and again until you say you don't want to are the ones that, that do resonate that I do think, Oh, actually as an adult, I'm getting something from this and there's more to this than it's just cute or it's just, Oh, look, here's a bear and the bear is doing something nice. And that's fine. That's there's, you know, there's a place for those stories and those stories do exist in terms of helping children to, find a foothold with reading but the ones that have a bit more to them and a bit more substance and that aren't necessarily which may sound odd for children's books aren't necessarily painted in primary colors that have a little bit more light and shade to them I think are the ones that really stick with me Um, and certainly the ones as a parent the ones I encourage my children to go let's read this one today I think they're easy to spot as well I think when you come across one 
again, as a young person or as an adult, you think, ah, this is different. This is something a little bit more significant. Uh, the last time that happened to me was when I read Tay Pratchett's Nation. And uh, I read it. And then afterwards, I kind of thought, that's trying to convey qu some quite big ideas. And I don't know if you're aware of the book, but some quite yeah, big some quite big ideas but in in the context of a children's story and for me some of the best children's stories out there have been those gems those books that are trying to communicate big ideas really big philosophical ideas but it again in the context of a children's story that's not to say you know everyone loves the twits Everyone loves Roald Dahl, uh, although he did touch on a few, some really important themes himself. But every now and then you come across a, a story that you just think, wow. Yeah, um, and I, I would say with uh, Roald Dahl is an interesting one, because I think one of the things that Roald Dahl does is the other thing I love about storytelling, which is, is to kind of go be amazed by the mundane. Mm. Here's something quite ordinary. Um for example, uh, George's Marvelous Medicine. Here is a boy who is stuck at home with his granny and they have a difficult relationship. So the boy decides to play a prank on the granny, essentially, and makes this ridiculous medicine with all these crazy ingredients. And the long and the short of that is then the granny ends up growing 60 feet tall. And if you boil it down to its key ingredients, you're sort of going, that's actually, if you pitch that story to somebody, it's a kid and his granny and the kid makes her medicine. A lot of people are going to go right. What's what? Why is a child going to be interested in that? But but Dahl has he he kind of pulls out the the fantastic from the mundane, um, and I think that is something that's a real skill in children's books as well. And to go back to the Silver Sword, the one I picked, I think that's another thing is you're dealing with some very, you know, you're dealing with child refugees in World War Two. That's not natural territory for a children's story, mm. but. It works because the writer has done such a good job of going, let's make it, let, let's make the horrible beautiful um, and let's find actually some really lovely. So there's, there's a scene in the book where, um, and apparently it's based on a, a true event, um, where a gorilla has escaped from a, a, a chimpanzee rather, has escaped from, I think it's Berlin Zoo. And one of the characters has a real affinity for animals and he's a bit of a wayward child and he's the one who keeps getting them into trouble. Um, but he befriends this animal um, and it's only a chapter of the book and it, it's done as a, a British soldier writing a letter home explaining this incident to his wife. And to include that, which you say is loosely, apparently loosely based on a real incident, it's just a really lovely touch in a book that's also about children being hunted by soldiers who want to send them back to Poland and having to uh, escape uh, at the early parts of the book. Uh, there's a man who has to escape from a prison camp and things like all, all of those kind of quite harsh and quite dark things. There's really lovely moments of beauty that can be pulled out that make it do make it more accessible to children. Um, but I think also more accessible to adults as well, because it's it's not unremittingly bleak. <laughs> What is Certainty of Chance? Uh, so Certainty of Chance is a theatre production company. Um, we're based in Wakefield in Yorkshire. Um, we've run for, in one form or another, for about 10 years now. We had a, a, a bit of a, a kind of a relaunch last year. Um, and we have three core aims. Um, number one is to tell stories. Um, very broad aim, but I'll go into that in a bit more detail in a sec. Um, second one is to give people opportunities in the industry particularly those who are early career 
in the industry. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean just young people. Um, it means artists who are at an early stage of their career looking to get a foothold in the industry in, in whatever form. So we're always open to those conversations of going, how can we support you? How can we help you develop? Um, and our third uh, strand is arts advocacy. So using the arts as a platform to uh, support those who need it, really. Um, so case in point for that, over Advent, we ran a project called Two Minutes Together. Um, so every day through Advent, we released a two minute video on our social media channels and on our website, which was an artist sharing their work. So we had a mix with the theatre, we had poetry, we had spoken word, we had all sorts. Um, and through that, we asked people to, to give what they could to that. So the, the videos were free, but we said it pays you feel. And then 50% of that went to a local charity supporting people uh, with mental health concerns, um, adults with additional needs who needed additional support. Um, partly because it was Christmas um, that we picked that because mental health cases rise around that time of year, but also they're a local charity, which is why we wanted to support them. So that's that's kind of the advocacy side of what we do. To go back to the, the storytelling side of what we do, Certainty was founded, I suppose like a lot of theatre companies are. Um, so I, I trained as an actor um, and wasn't wasn't getting auditions for things that particularly interested me. A lot of a lot of adverts, a lot of corporate work, a lot of things like that. All of which, don't get me wrong, the money was good. Um, they paid my bills, but you don't go into. Well, I didn't go into the performing arts to do adverts for insurance companies or to stand in a boardroom and tell people how they could be better at their job. I I went into to be creative to explore storytelling. So. I set up certainty going, well, okay, if I want to create my own work or if I want to find work that interests me, then the best thing to do is make it. And that's where that came from. But the more I do that, the more I realise that actually, I think what I want to do is be a storyteller and explore storytelling. And that's where certainty has gone in going, it's not just about creating theatre, it's about creating stories and exploring formats. So we're looking more at digital storytelling, or like I say, um, partly because of COVID, but also partly because it seemed like a logical progression. Two Minutes Together was an online project. So um, when I say we, we tell stories, it is as broad as that of going, if somebody is interested in a particular medium or a particular way of exploring a story or has a particular story they want to tell, then the first part of our creative conversation is always, okay, so what is this? What what are we going to do? Is this a play? Is this uh, is this a podcast? Is this an audio piece? Is this something we're going to do as a, an installation piece? What What is this going to be to allow us to tell that story well? How were you finding the process of adapting to the current COVID crisis? And I asked this because at the time of recording um, this podcast, this episode, uh, it's January 2021. Um, the whole of the UK is in lockdown and that presents lockdowns in general, but this presents a real a challenge to the arts and to storytellers. How are you finding uh, adapting to that challenge or rising to that challenge? It's, it's an interesting one because it is, and I hate the word and it's been used far too much, but it is an unprecedented situation, especially for the sector that we're in. But actually the, the challenge is a good one in a lot of ways. Um, it's not good that obviously the sector has been affected in such a way and there've been uh, such a raft of job losses and there's such uncertainty. But I think from a creative point of view, it's forcing people to look the industry in the face and look the sector in the face and go, so why do we do this? Mm. And that's not necessarily a pleasant conversation um, because those kind of conversations never are, but it's an interesting position to be in because 
it does go right okay how do we do this so we had great plans to to do a a small tour of a show this year that's not going to happen but the show's there um the script's written the people are in place to do the work the funding was secured for it so how else do we do that how do we do we do it as a, a digital project do we do do we release the project online do we uh, go okay we'll put a pin in that go back to the funders and go we can't do it this year can we do it next year and have those conversations or do we reach out to other companies who are doing in a similar position and go can we collaborate on this can we create that so i think actually what it, what it's allowed for is it it's allowed for conversations and for potential avenues of exploration that weren't necessarily that or rather were there but people weren't looking at them because mm. the industry's so quick moving and so fast paced that actually you don't necessarily have time to stop and think and go what what is this for or what do we want to do because you there's a lot of as you know yourself in the industry there's a lot of running to stand still mm. um and covid stopped that covid has put a con no everybody actually has to literally stand still and take stock so for for me that's been a that's been a big thing i mean it comes with challenges and it it's not always fun mm. um particularly when we're all looking for an endpoint and there isn't one at the moment what I, I guess what i'd also say is from a from a point of view of storytelling i think people are more engaged with storytelling or more open to storytelling than perhaps they were before because people are stuck at home so people are looking for outlets people are looking to engage well this leads me on to my next question actually how important do you think storytelling is both in terms of now in we're in the midst of the covid crisis but also in general um, i think it's massive uh, i think uh, both generally and right now I think for different reasons, it's really, really important. I would say generally storytelling is is what makes us human or stories are what makes us human because going back to the to thousands of years ago, oral tradition was how information was passed on. It was how we sought to explain away things. These stories have now kind of become legends or become myths, um, but they're still there. They're still pervasive. Um, so for example, stories about how the sun rises, you look at different cultures, the Egyptian culture, for example, that a huge beetle pushed the sun across the sky. Why? Because beetles were commonplace and they watched them pushing huge balls across the ground. So that was a convenient story to go. Yeah, that big ball in the sky, that's moved by a big beetle. That was that was how they explained it. It's how we understand stuff. Um, and they're powerful. Uh, they, re they are not just for that reason, um, but they can be weaponized. They can be turned into tools of propaganda or fake news or to st stir an agenda. And, and we wouldn't necessarily use the word stories. We would use those words like propaganda or, or fake news or, or narrative is a word that comes up quite a lot in the media. Um, and it's all storytelling. It's all framing a position. It's all framing an issue to explain it in a way that suits you. Mm. And that's why I think stories are important. Um, and there is, funnily enough, we've mentioned him already, but there's a Terry Pratchett quote um, from Hogfather uh, where somebody says, man is naturally a mythopaic creature. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means we make it up as we go along. And I think that's what storytelling does. It allows us to kind of go, oh, we need to, we need to find a reason for this. Uh, okay, here we go. Here's a story that goes with it. Um, and at the moment, especially when everybody is stuck at home, for the most part, 
when everybody is anxious, when everybody's on edge, when everybody's not quite sure what's happening, mm. both the power of stories as a tool for calm and a tool for going, okay, no, this is what's happening. So, for example, uh, Tom Moore, uh, Captain Tom, that's a story. That's a story about a man who decided to walk around his garden for the NHS and it's easy to be cynical about that and go, oh, he's being just wheeled out as a, a tool for this, that and the other. But also it's important to recognise how beautiful that idea is and how much it's made people feel better mm. because they've seen this and he's become a symbol of of kind of the situation. Um, and similarly also seeing stories from people in the NHS or people on the front lines and the things they've done and the extra mile that they've gone to and the way that they've been supported. I completely agree with you. There definitely seems to be a real thirst at the moment for stories. And of course, that has a flip side. One side of the coin is that you have positive stories, stories that are factual, um, that are uplifting, that, that are hopeful. But the flip side is, is we have stories that are negative. Uh, you know, you, you can delve into conspiracy theories, you can delve. But a lot of people, are because there's such a thirst for those kind of stories or stories in general, people seem to be consuming at the moment because we're stuck in. So we're, you know, Netflix and all the other streaming services, people are binge watching their way through that, myself included. Um, people are scouring the news sites, trying to find a little bit of certainty, trying to understand the process, understand what's happening in the world a little bit more clearer. And sometimes those news stories might not necessarily be 100% factual, but there is this real thirst for stories. And I think, leading on to what you said, I think that's, that says a lot about us as a species in terms of we have to interpret the world through stories. And, you know, it's important to, to choose those stories wisely. Yeah, um, and I think the other thing of us as a species is we're, we are communal, tribal at times, but we are communal and stories are a community tool. They're a shared experience. You can sit and listen to a story being told. You can read with another person. You can all read a different story or watch a different story and then discuss it at work the next day or you know discuss it on your WhatsApp group or things like that. Um, and I think that's the other reason that stories are particularly powerful at the minute because we are all feeling isolated from one another but one of the ways of tackling isolation is again through storytelling and before this current lockdown the lockdown that's happening in um january 2021 you were able to go into schools and work with pupils in schools um which was incredibly lucky one of the things the difficulties about being in scotland particularly during that period so just before um Christmas was that it was quite difficult uh, as an educator to go into schools and work with young people and I was very envious when I when I realized that you were doing that and you were able to go into schools work with young people and celebrate storytelling what was that like it was great it was weird um after what eight months of not being in a building and not being able to work with people um it was it was quite a strange environment um the the context of it it came through a a festival of literacy that was run in Wakefield called Wordfest. And we ran a project uh, called the Storybox Project, which uh, is, is one of our kind of staple education packages. And Storybox is very simple. We take a big box into a school um, and in that box are bits of props, bits of costumes, um, 
script extracts, other stimulus, basically. And there's usually a starting point for a story, whether that is a, a theme, whether that is a uh, the school are studying a particular topic. We try and link it to what the school are doing so that they can kind of link those education names. Mm. And then against the clock, against the set time, using those bits of material that are in the box, we create a piece of theatre or we create a story. Mm. So it's a, it's a lovely project and it's it's a nice adaptable project as well. So we were, we were able to go into four schools. We should have gone into five, um, but the fifth one had to be postponed because of COVID. But we covered... Uh, medieval history we covered jungles and rainforests we covered I think we did second world war as well um we did and we did then just a general storytelling day as well and it was lovely and it's always lovely working Mm. with children because they don't have the constraints that adults have um they don't self-censor in a way that we do so if they want to do something as mad as it may seem you can just go yeah let's do it let's make that happen and obviously we're doing it in a, a very COVID safe way. So a lot of the things that would normally be in the story box, all the costume items, all those kind of things were taken away. So it was very stripped back, which is is hard in some respects because you're limiting the stimulus you have. Um, but it's also quite exciting because you are then relying a lot more on imagination and play and, okay, well, let's do a game. Let's, let's find out what this thing is rather than relying on that crux that we've given ourselves. Um, it was lovely. It was really, really, it, it was just fab to do. One of the great ways with working with young people and children, particularly through the performing arts and drama, and particularly through um, devising workshops where they're given um, a set of objects, a set of um, stimulus, and they interpret those items and they create their own pieces of drama uh, out of their own imaginations, is that and I speak from experience, often young people will try to explain or interpret the the world around them through their drama. And what's happening around them will often sort of feed into the work that they created. And obviously with your work in schools happening in, you know, in the summer of 2020, or rather in autumn of 2020, I'm curious, did you see that happening? Yeah, to, to a point. Um, so obviously schools have had to adapt. So I would, it wouldn't be like running the, the project in a normal time. In the normal time, I'd arrive with the box, we'd go straight into the space. There'd be no uh, constrictions about you've got to wear a mask. There wouldn't be hand gel pumps at every corner. Um, there wouldn't be marks on the floor of saying where you can stand and things like that. Um, so it's a lot, the environment had a lot of additional rules. I mean, schools always have rules anyway, but um, those kind of additional COVID safe rules and coming in as a practitioner, that's strange. I think what was interesting to see was when the young people walked into the space, there was, even if it wasn't said out loud, there was an anxiety there. You could tell there was a tension there of going, we've got a person in school and that we don't know that person. And that's not the kind of excitement of, oh, there's somebody in to do a drama workshop. That was a, how does this fit into what we are and are allowed to do in these, uh, what we are and aren't allowed to do in these, in these strange times. And you could see the kind of release as the workshop went on of them going, I can be me again. I can, I can be, I can be a child again. I'm allowed to play. I'm allowed to have fun. I don't have to think about every move I make in terms of 
is this safe? Mm. Um, partly because we'd done that for them, um, because that was was one of the, the real kind of conditions of putting this project together in, in COVID times was to make sure it was safe for them. And you could see that you could see that, that some of them were really struggling, even if they, they weren't saying so. You could tell that there was a lot of anxiety and a lot of worry going on. Um, but just being allowed to play and just being allowed to be children helped release that, I think. Steve, this leads on to um, a really important topic, actually, because I've been approached by a number of parents who are really keen to explore storytelling with their young children, particularly during lockdown, particularly because there's a lot more contact time with their, with their children at the moment. Do you have any tips or advice for parents who want to explore storytelling with their children? Yeah, um, and it kind of comes back to what I've said already, which is finding the magical in the mundane. Um, and there's a Roald Dahl quote that sums it up really well, which is, um, it's the last line that he ever published in his story, The Mimpins. And it's, above all, watch with glittering eyes the whole world around you, because the greatest secrets are always hidden in the most unlikely places. Those who don't believe in magic will never find it. And for me, that sums up what storytelling is. That's kind of going, we're at home. Your children have been at home with you on and off for eight months. They haven't been at school. It's it's tough. I get that. The way to counteract that for me is to make the normal extraordinary. Mm. So um, we're doing... Um, a Storybox Online challenge at the minute where we will pick a three ordinary items. So last week we decided to do a story on rest. So we picked a pair of slippers, a cup of tea and a book. Um, and it could be any book. And just said, these are three things that we would associate with having a restful time. Take those items and make a story out of them. And it doesn't have to be a good story. I think that's the other thing is don't put pressure on yourselves to make it amazing. Just make it just create something just play and and the more you do it the more you'll find that it clicks and the more creative and the more adventurous that you can get um from a writing point of view as well uh, because obviously that's something that's going to be uh quite a key thing at home it's again pick something simple and use that as a starting thing or pick a sentence or a word and use that as a starting point but i think crucially it does come back to not worrying and just letting it happen. Just, just being, just relaxing into it. What are your next steps? We've got a couple of things going on at the minute. Um, while lockdown is happening, we're doing weekly online uh, storytelling projects. So do check that out. Um, we are on all the social media channels. So we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, just look, look for certainty of chance productions and you'll find us um or we're at certainty chance is our twitter and instagram name um or if you go onto our website certaintyofchance.com um, we've put a lot of storytelling resources up there um we've just started work on a new kind of research driven project really where we're trying to collect a folk story from every country in the world and we're going to try and get a recording of that story being uh, read by a native speaker from each of those countries in the world, hopefully a resident of those countries. And the hope at the end of it is we'll have an anthology of 190 odd different stories from around the world, but then we're going to try and create pieces of theatre as a response to that and look at, kind of look at 
if words are necessary to tell stories and how physicality and how other mediums come into play in our storytelling thing. So that's a big kind of research theatre project that we're trying to launch this year. It's very COVID dependent, but that's, that's a big project for us. Um, but the big thing for people to check out is the storytelling projects online. Brilliant. I have to say the research project sounds very exciting because as we know, and we've already discussed human beings um, are very story driven and we, we we like to see narratives and stories are often seen as being quite universal. There's a theory that, you know, there's only seven stories, true universal stories in existence and all other stories stem from these seven archetypical um, stories. So that would be fascinating to see. Yeah, that's what we want to explore really is how does culture have an impact on storytelling and fundamentally what are the touchstones of storytelling around the world? Steve, we've run out of time, I'm afraid. Um, it's been really interesting. Thank you for coming on to the show. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks very much. <laughs>